And welcome back into Local News Live. I'm Clay Osterley from Studio B. Today is September 20th, and coming up in just a few minutes here, we're going to have a look at your local stories going on from across uh, great television here. And we have several updates to several stories that we brought to you yesterday as well. But I want to send it to Studio A right now with Victoria Shirley and a look at the national top headlines going on across the country today. Victoria? All right, thank you so much for that, Clay. Let's jump into our top national headlines. Let's give you a little preview of what we'll be talking about first. All right, so the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates, and it's expected to be a historic hike. And the Alaska governor is asking for federal disaster declarations. And Hurricane Fiona, let's look at the aftermath, see how it's impacted the Dominican Republic as well as Puerto Rico. And some big news this morning, a Chicago apartment building, at least the top floor, exploded, leaving several injured. So let's uh, break down those headlines for you now. First, the Federal Reserve is expected to make history with a rate hike today. Let's uh, talk about what that could mean and what potentially that rate, rate hike could be. It's expected to either raise its key short-term rate by three-quarters of a point for the third time in a row to 3% or hike it by an unprecedented one full percentage point to three and a quarter percent. The central bank kicked off its two-day meeting Tuesday and is scheduled to announce its decision this afternoon or Wednesday afternoon rather. As for what's next after that, Wall Street is divided on whether the Fed will keep hiking rates aggressively in November or if inflation pressures will cool enough to allow the Fed to slow the pace for a bit. So I do want to make a brief correction there. I misspoke at the top. The Federal Reserve is expected to make history with a rate hike tomorrow. So Wednesday is when that big announcement is expected to be made. All right, let's look at Alaska. Alaska has been dealing with quite a lot here lately. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy says he's seeking a federal disaster declaration after a brutal storm battered Alaska's west coast. The remnants of the typhoon Murbach began lashing those coastal communities Friday, bringing flooding powerful enough to upend buildings. The governor declared a de disaster for impacted communities on Saturday, but says the state needs federal help. Damage assessments are now underway. Dunleavy will submit his request for federal assistance as soon as officials gather the necessary information. If approved, at least 75% of eligible disaster costs would be covered by FEMA. All right, let's turn our attention now to Hurricane Fiona and the impact it's had on the Caribbean. All right, so Hurricane Fiona is blasting the Turks and Caicos Islands as a Category 3 storm after devastating Puerto Rico, where most people remain without electricity or running water. The U.S. National Hurricane Center says the storm's eye passed close to Grand Turk, the British territory's capital island. The government had imposed a curfew and urged people to flee flood-prone areas. The storm could raise seas by five to eight feet above normal. Fiona had maximum sustained winds of 115 miles per hour and was moving north-northwest at nine miles per hour early this morning. The Hurricane Center says the storm is likely to strengthen into a Category 4 hurricane as it approaches Bermuda on Friday. Okay, let's focus a little bit more on the damage it's already done to the Dominican Republic as well as Puerto Rico. I want to show you some video from the Dominican Republic here. 
The hurricane dropped a lot of rain over the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, where a 58-year-old man died after police said he was swept away by a river in a central mountain town. Another death was linked to a power blackout. A 70-year-old man was burned to death after he tried to fill his generator with gasoline while it was running. That's according to officials. Parts of the island had received more than 25 inches of rain and more was falling today. 670 people have been rescued in Puerto Rico, including 19 people at a retirement home. In the Dominican Republic, authorities reported one death, a man hit by a falling tree. The storm displaced more than 12,400 people and cut off at least two communities. The hurricane left several highways blocked and a tourist pier in the town. And one of their towns was badly damaged by high waves. At least four international airports have been closed. All right, some big news this morning where a Chicago apartment building has exploded. Several people are injured. Officials say at least six people were rushed to hospitals after being injured when an explosion this morning tore through the top floor of a Chicago apartment building. The explosion at the three-story, 36-unit apartment building happened just before 9.30 that's according to officials. At least 10 ambulances were on the scene. The department requested help searching the structure. No cause of explosion has been determined. The department did say on Twitter that the Chicago Police Bomb Squad and agents from the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives are on their way as well. So we'll keep a close eye on that story and stay with Local News Live as we continue to follow the developments on that story. We're going to turn now to the housing crisis. Let's go ahead and talk about some good news and some bad news. If you're house hunting, here's the good news first. Let's, let's start with the good news. About a quarter of builders say they reduced home prices this month. And if you have more options too, new construction is up. But here's the bad news. The housing market is still volatile. Builder sentiment, the way they feel about the market and how homes are selling has dropped. Part of it is because of the cost of building supplies along with higher mortgage rates which are putting a new home purchase out of reach for a lot of people. Rates were above 6% last week, the highest level since the year 2008. All right, we're going to go ahead and send it back over to Clay Osterley in Studio B. Clay, you've been looking through all of our great TV websites and picking the top stories, mainly the overperforming ones, the ones a lot of people are reading and clicking on. Clay, what have you found for us? Yeah, Victoria, we monitor uh, all of our local gray stories uh, on what we call the big board, where it's just a constant list of updating stories. And I've picked out just a few of them for you here today uh, to let you know of some of the top stories that we're following. First, I do want to give you an update here on a story that uh, we first talked about yesterday. Uh, the family of a slain LSU student is now speaking out. They're asking for answers. We'll get down to Baton Rouge and WAFB in just a little bit here. Also, in Lexington, Kentucky, the parole board uh, out there is hearing a case for possible parole of a Kentucky high school shooter back in the 90s. Now, they were unable to reach a unanimous decision. We'll get an update from WKYT on what exactly that means and if that means that this man can potentially walk free. Uh, heading back down to Louisiana, this is a different part of the state down in Lake Charles. A gun-waving woman at a donut shop has gone viral. 
have a picture of this woman holding a gun, and I will let KPLC tell the rest of the story on that one from Lake Charles. Also, uh, this one is a, a, a happy ending to a, a stressful situation. A labor and delivery nurse actually delivers a baby in a Bismarck, North Dakota hospital parking lot. When it's time, it's time. And that baby decided it was time a little faster than the parents could react. So we'll have that story from KFYR. All right, first, I do want to get you an update to a story here that's kind of been making uh, some national attention uh, throughout the last couple of days. An update here on a, a kidnapped teen that was rescued. Uh, well, her captor is now facing charges and his bail has been set as well. I'll let uh, KHNL take the story from here. A man accused of abducting a 15-year-old girl, Duncan Mahi, is now charged with first-degree sex assault, two counts of kidnapping and terroristic threatening, as well as robbery and meth trafficking. Police say the girl was taken at knife point from Anaiho'omalu Bay on Friday. She was rescued the next day in Hilo when bystanders recognized her from the Amber Alert. Mahi's bail is set at $2 million. He's due in court tomorrow. So uh, we will have a, another update coming from KHNL, I would assume, later on this afternoon. So be looking out for that. You can always head over to hawaiinewsnow.com. All right, uh, a very tragic story down in Baton Rouge, and now the family of a slain LSU student is simply asking for answers and wants justice. Uh, Allison Rice was in her car. She was waiting for a train to pass when suddenly her car was riddled with bullets and she died as a result of that. Uh, her family now speaks to WAFB. I want to get you down to Baton Rouge. Just you know, plead to anybody that's, that's watching this right now, hearing this, if you know something, please, please make the call. That father there hoping someone will come forward with answers about who murdered his precious daughter. There's still no new information for Baton Rouge police today about who shot and killed Allie Rice while she sat waiting for a train to pass Friday night. Now her family is hoping that someone watching tonight may be able to provide some much needed answers. Brian Bazette joins us now, Bree. Allie's loved ones tell me she was the girl with the big smile and the one to light up a room with her infectious personality. Losing her is not just affecting her immediate family, but an entire community that loved her. We were woken up with a ring of the doorbell at 4.45 in the morning, which you know is never good. It's every parent's worst nightmare. Paul Rice says the words coming out of the police officer's mouth were, quote, life-altering. I hope no one ever has to get that type of wake-up call ever again. They were told their precious 21-year-old Allie had been shot and killed near the train tracks on Government Street. It was just after 2 in the morning, and she was driving home after hanging out with friends in Mid-City. If there was something that you could say to the person who did this, what would you say to that person? Why? Why would you do this to and innocent, why, well, first, why would you do it to anybody? But why my sweet child who had a whole life ahead of her, who was doing nothing wrong, she's sitting there waiting on a train. 
Allie was a senior at LSU majoring in marketing. Having grown up in Ascension Parish, she graduated from Dutchtown High School, where she was a cheerleader and on the homecoming court. Besides her studies, family members tell me you could find her hard at work at the Shed Barbecue Restaurant on Burbank, along with several of her siblings and her stepmom. Paul adds that she was very goal-oriented and about to start an internship. To say, it sounds like to say, like, you were proud of your daughter is like an understatement. Absolutely. Proud of her. I bragged about her every day. Over the weekend, members of the community set up a memorial on Government Street to honor Allie. We went out Saturday morning and we put a cross up on the telephone pole right there in that area, you know, where the flowers and stuff have been showing up around there. Her mom went Sunday morning to the site. We went Saturday. The cross was gone with the picture. I mean, who does that? A new cross has now been put up in its place. The Rice family says they have received a lot of messages and support from the community. I asked today, what would they miss most about Allie? She laughed like a three-year-old Disney princess. <laughs> no one laughs like her. It was my favorite thing at work when she came to work. The Rice family wants to remind the community, especially young adults, to watch out for your loved ones and to protect each other. None of us are immune to what happened to Allie last week. This could happen to any of us. The violence, the lack of care for life, or lack of concern for life right now just baffles me. You know, there's so much crime going on in Baton Rouge area right now. I mean, this has really opened a lot of people's eyes. Instead of rice party of nine, we have to be rice party of eight because of someone evil. A gathering for Allie will take place tomorrow at the Uso Funeral Home. The following day, the family will have a mass at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church following a burial. So if you know anything that could help investigators figure out what happened to this poor girl, please go ahead and call Crime Stoppers. At three, that's 344-STOP. And they are the family right now is preparing for a funeral set for Wednesday in Prairieville. All right, Bree, thank you for that. A tough one for that family for sure, but somebody out there will know something. Mm -hmm. That magic number, 344-STOP, 344-7867. You can be anonymous. Nobody will ever know who you are. You'll get the tip and help them for sure. Thank you. Of course, we continue to follow this story closely uh, from WAFB, and you can head to their website for the very latest. That's WAFB.com. Moving on to our next story up in Kentucky. Now, this is an interesting one. A convicted high school shooter faces a parole board for the first time. He has served 25 years of his life sentence. Uh, Michael Carneal is convicted of killing three students and injuring five more in a 1997 Kentucky high school shooting. WKYT reports that uh, parole board is now hearing his case to try to determine what his fate is. For parole, we'll have to wait a little longer to learn his fate. Michael Carneal gave his testimony to a two-person parole board this morning. He killed three students at Heath High School in Paducah back in 1997. After 25 years, he's now pleading his case on why he should be released. WKYT's Jim Stratton has our top story at noon. 
Yeah, Victor and Kristen, after deliberating, the two parole board members said that they weren't able to come to a unanimous decision on whether or not Michael Carneal should be granted parole. Now the full board will decide his fate next week. But today, the committee got to hear directly from Carneal himself, and we should say that some of this testimony you will hear is graphic. Carneal was convicted of killing three of his classmates and shooting five others at Heath High School back in 1997. Carneal was 14 years old at the time and sentenced to life in prison with the option of parole after 25 years. That option came today. Carneal faced questions from a two-person board about why he did what he did and if he understands the consequences of that. Much of the questioning focused on Carneal's mental health. He said that in the lead-up to the shooting, he was hearing voices in his head that told him to commit violent acts. In the morning of December 1st, 1997, those voices led him to bring five guns to school and pull the trigger. I went and got the gun out of the backpack and I held it in front of me. And I don't remember firing the gun or how many times I fired it. But the next thing I remember is people laying on the ground and there was another student and he asked me what I was doing. He was approaching me as we were talking and I seem to remember telling him to kill me. Carneal says that he still hears those voices, but that he hasn't acted upon them for decades. Board members pointed out that in the 25 years he's had in prison, there have only been a couple of violent incidents. Carneal says that he tried to keep to himself and avoid confrontation, and that he believes if given the chance, he can be a productive member of society. Some people come to prison and they continue that pattern of behavior, and that's not somebody that I would want released, but somebody that did that and showed that they could do something different and positive with their life, I might, I might advocate for that. Carneal's hearing in front of the full parole board is scheduled for Monday morning. There, the board will grant parole, defer that decision for up to another 10 years, or require Carneal to serve out the rest of his sentence. Victor? Jim, thank you. So we'll have to wait uh, until Monday for WKYT to have the next big update on that story uh, as it relates to uh, Marco, uh, Michael Carneal. All right, uh, let's get you back down to Louisiana here because uh, a woman has gone viral. As you can see on the bottom of your screen here, a woman in Lake Charles caught on camera waving a gun around in the parking lot of a donut shop. I can't make this up, so I'll let KPLC take over from here. Let's get you down to Lake Charles. It's not what you'd expect to see at your local donut shop. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Cynthia Arsenault. A woman waving a gun at a Donut King store on Highway 14. And pictures of the incident have now gone viral. So what went down at the donut shop? It all went down at the Donut King the morning of Wednesday, September 14th. And it started when Kelly Murray got a phone call. My mom called and had the phone on speaker. And she said, this is how crazy he is. Murray says she heard her mother's co-worker, who is also close to the family, upset and yelling, as she describes it, talking madness. So Murray, her daughter, and her daughter's best friend get in the car and head to the donut shop as they say, to calm the situation. So I got out the car and I was like, what's going on, Red? That's what we call him, we call him Red. I said, what's going on, Red? 
And he was like, your mama in there lying on me saying I steal. Murray explains her and Red continue to go back and forth and admits it was a loud conversation. But there was no intention for a physical fight. We know he's not going to put his hands on us. We're not going to fight him because we're all family at this point. That's when a third employee comes into play. That was in the restaurant who called the owner and told her we were outside fighting. Eventually, the owner and an additional employee pull up in a truck. As Murray tells us, that employee tries to ask what's going on, but the owner didn't stop to ask. Instead, this happened. Got out the car of the passenger seat, got to the back seat of the passenger, grabbed the gun, put the gun in the air, and shot it in the air. But that wasn't all. Proceed to walk towards us, point the gun at my face first. She put the gun in my face. She said, get the in the car, get the in the car. Lake Charles police say the gun was fired to disperse a crowd, but no one was hurt. Everybody was separating, so it's not like everybody was on top of each other either. The owner, Trudy Bayon, received a misdemeanor summons for illegal discharge of a firearm inside city limits. And as for Murray, she wishes Bayon would have taken the time to understand the situation before it escalated to this. In Lake Charles, Andrea Robinson, 7 News. Thank goodness nobody was actually hurt in that incident. Uh, very good ending to that story there. Uh, so uh, good, good news for that one. You can head over to kplc.com for the latest on that story. All right, special delivery. It's uh, kind of a line that we hear a lot in movies, right? It's time. Oh, oh, it's oh, it's time. Like, get to the hospital to have a baby time, right? Well, uh, a local couple up in Bismarck, North Dakota, it, it was time. Uh, they got to the hospital, but uh, their latest addition to the family decided it was time before they could actually get inside. So I'll let uh, KFYR pick up the story from there. Let's send you to Bismarck, North Dakota. Rhyme that goes in part, one shoe off, one shoe on. But nowhere in that nursery rhyme is there any mention of a nurse who delivers a baby in a parking lot with one shoe off and one shoe on. And although that may sound like a made-up story, it really happened in Bismarck just a few months ago. Now the family's writing another line of their nursery rhyme by saying thank you to that nurse who's become their hero. Jody Kersman explains. This is baby Lula. The youngest of five kids, Lula is the boss of the family. She calls the shots. Yeah. <laughs> Her parents knew that even before Lula was born. <laughs> Pulled up because Lula came into the world in the most memorable way possible. So my water broke at about, what, 12, 12.30, I think? And so we called. Bismarck and said we were on our way. The Wujans live in Galva. That's about 170 miles from Bismarck. Lacey and Travis figured they had plenty of time to get to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> you would think I would have known better. Lula yeah, no. had it's other plans. That's for sure. <laughs> By the time the Wujans got to the parking lot outside CHI St. Alexius, Lacey knew it was time. She really came a-running. Labor and delivery nurse Chastity Johnson was waiting for the couple here at door 17. I ran out to the car and I had Crocs on and the door that we went to locks. And so I threw my shoe in the door hoping that we could get back into the door. And when I got out to the vehicle, I, you could already 
see that she was starting a crown. So I was like, well, I guess push. <laughs> Three pushes later, Lula was born in the front seat of her parents' vehicle. Not as comfortable as you would think. <laughs> Baby Lula is healthy as can be. She's starting to roll over and has her entire family wrapped around her little finger. As for Chastity, she thinks of baby Lula and her family every time she puts on her Crocs to go to work. I wear the exact same ones every day at work. <laughs> now, those Crocs have even more reminders of that very special delivery. So the L is for Lula. The family recently stopped by to visit Chastity and gave her several charms for her shoes. The two storks and the stethoscope. So now I have decorations for my Crocs that I can show off proudly. <laughs> a reminder of a night chastity brought new life into the world with one shoe off and one shoe on. In Bismarck, I'm Jody Kurzman, reporting for your news leader. After Lula was born, Chastity and Lacey realized they share the middle name Nicole. Travis and Lacey said it only seemed fitting that Lula also have that middle name. All right, there you have it. Man, what a stressful situation uh, there, uh, trying to get to the hospital and get there on time. But uh, luckily, little baby Lula is okay. Mom and dad are good as well. Uh, and then, of course, in the story she mentions, just three pushes later, here you have it, and then of wow. course you hear about other labor stories that last <laughs> two days at some points. Man, I tell you what, what a fun story. There. That baby was ready. That baby was like, you know what, I can't even wait to get to the hospital. I am going to be born right here. That's what that baby was saying. She just wanted to meet mom and dad. She yeah. wanted to meet mom and dad real soon. Oh, I love this, that story. What a good story to round out your top stories with. Thank you so much, Clay. Clay is going to... Uh, get up and come to Studio A, and we're gonna talk about a couple more stories, but before he does that, I'm going to share with you here, uh, there is a special, today is a special day. It is National Voter Registration Day, a good, remi a good reminder that Election Day is around the corner. And let me go ahead and explain a little bit more about what this day is about here. All right. so. It Election Day is nearly upon us. Are you registered to vote? The fourth Tuesday of September is National Voter Registration Day. The National Association of Secretaries of State started the event in 2012, not too long ago. It's a coordinated effort from local, state, and national organizations to urge people to register to vote. Hundreds of thousands of people take part each year. Each state has, a different, has different registration requirements. So be sure to get to know what your state registration requirements are. You can find out more about your specific area at vote.org. All right, this next story, I definitely want to hear Clay's reaction to because it's something that, oh, no one wants to see. So let me go ahead and pop up this video here for you, and then we're going to hear from Clay Osterley about what he thinks about it. How about that? All right, let's talk about this image here. Nope. <laughs> a resident in Alabama found a surprise in their toilets. Friday, this happened just a few days ago, the Eufaula Police Department said they were called to a residence about a snake in a toilet 
Officers removed the unwelcomed visitor and released it to a, quote, more suitable habitat. <laughs> That's according to that police department. The snake was a harmless gray rat snake, so no harm, no foul. And in a Facebook post, the followed police department said, we never know from one day to the next what kind of call we will receive during our shift. Today was no exception. However, a snake in the toilet wasn't on our list of possibilities. All right, Clay, nope. what would you do if you went to use the bathroom and this is what you saw? Um, file a claim against my homeowner's insurance because <laughs> my whole house would be burned down. Oh, snap. Uh, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you, but they said that's, what did they, what did they say, a gray rat snake? A gray rat snake. Now, that's a nope snake. Because nope snake. That's, that's, uh, there's, a, there's, no, there's just nope, all, no all the way around. Uh, and, I mean, there's clearly water in that bowl right there, so you would think that uh, the snake would be, I don't know, coming up for air or something like that. And if you, uh, if you were in a hurry, could you imagine, like, not double-checking or something like that? You're in a, you're, you know, you're in a tough spot. And, oh, man, no. And even though it's not a poisonous snake, snakes bite seven days a week, so that's... That's just a nope. That's a nope well, all the way as nope. Apparently, they sn they don't bite on Fridays. Uh, maybe not. At least this maybe not. Maybe didn't get well, bitten. yeah, maybe because <laughs> they, they didn't get close enough to find out that snakes bite on Fridays too, because they bite they bite every day of the week that ends in Y, and that's well, you can do the math there. Yeah, mm -mm. that's pretty terrifying. Mm -mm. I, yeah, I I have to agree with you here, Clay. Yeah. Nope. That's a big Absolutely nope. Absolutely not. That's a no from me. All the way. Well, I actually, side note, you follow Alabama. Uh, I actually went there to visit my grandma once. Okay. She was there for a couple years for a church mission. And okay. it's a very lovely community. All right. You follow Alabama. Just don't recommend the snakes in the toilet part of it. Highest population of gray rat snakes. <laughs> <laughs> in <laughs> toilets. That's, that's on, not a fact. I don't know for sure. At least on Friday. Yeah, this right. Past Friday. Yeah. All right, well, Clay, thank you mm -hmm. for talking to me about that lovely snake in the toilet. Before we go, we are going to share with you a little bit more about what Gray Television, Gray Television's Local News Live is. The Local News Live, of course, we're part of Gray Television. It's a station group that owns more than 100 stations across the United States from really every corner of our country, including Alaska and Hawaii. And here at Local News Live, we pick the best stories that we find in those specific cities, and we share them with you here on Local News Live. Thank you so much for watching Local News Live and sticking with us as we share these top headlines. We'll be right back.